Welcome to TED In Your Head, the 10-minute podcast created exclusively to help you eliminate bad habits and success-limiting fears and beliefs so that you too can win at life and business. Your host is Ted Moreno, certified hypnotherapist and high-performance coach. On this show, we tackle the trash and talk some truth to transform your mind. Let's check it out and welcome your host, Ted Moreno. Hi there, and welcome to the Ted In Your Head podcast. I'm Ted Moreno, your host. I am a certified hypnotherapist. I've been in private practice for 16 years. And uh, right now, during this uh, very interesting time of coronavirus, I'm doing all of my sessions over Zoom, Skype, and the phone, and still getting really, really good results. So I'm happy to say that business is good and people are, my clients are happy. So if you uh, think you could use some of my help, if you think we should work together, I'll tell you how to get in touch with me at the end of the show. Uh, For now, we're going to move into today's podcast. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Kind of been thinking out of the box lately. Today I'm going to read from my book. Now I have two books. My first one is called The Ultimate Guide to Letting Go of Negativity and Fear and Loving Life, What I Learned on My Journey from Hater to Appreciator. So that's kind of the longer title, (laughs) okay? So this book is available on Amazon.com, The Ultimate Guide to Letting Go of Negativity and Fear and Loving Life. So I'm going to read a couple of things for you today. I'm going to read the introduction to my book, and then I'm going to read you one of my favorite chapters. So we're going to get right into the introduction to my book. And this was released, I think it was back in 2011, but it's still out there and people are still buying it. So introduction. I grew up as a cynical kid who complained a lot. Nothing was ever quite right. Although I was an excellent student in grade school and in my first couple of years of high school, by my senior year, I felt bored with life. Nothing out there in the real world looked good enough to strive for. After a couple of years of college in the Los Angeles area where I grew up, I left home to attend the University of Arizona in Tucson in 1981. For the next five and a half years before I dropped out of college, I drifted aimlessly, partying, half-heartedly attending classes, and looking for some meaning to attach to my life. I wouldn't say that I was hateful, but there wasn't really much that I liked. I clearly remember sitting on the steps of the dorm of a girl I was dating. She was smart, good-looking, and ambitious. I asked her what she wanted out of life. She said she wanted to give back to society. Screw society, I said spitefully. She looked at me, shaking her head, and said, You poor man, I feel sorry for you. Needless to say, we didn't last too long. After dropping out of college, I went from job to job and relationship to relationship. Somewhere along the line, I decided that I had no desire to ever commit to anything that would tie me down, such as buying a home, getting married, having kids, or starting a business. All I wanted to do was hike, play hacky sack, and party. I always rented the cheapest and smallest places I could find so I wouldn't have to work too hard. I was adrift on a sea of resignation and apathy, challenged by low self-esteem and lack of motivation and direction. 
1990, a romantic relationship I was in fell apart over the matter of just a couple of days. The resulting pain and sense of devastation took me by surprise, as we had only been dating a few months. I was compelled to ask myself, what the hell is wrong with me? That event was the impetus that started me on my own personal journey of self-development. I started reading books, doing yoga, meditating, and taking personal development seminars. I started to work on my self-esteem. It began to occur to me that perhaps there was some value in a life of contribution and that I might even have something to contribute. Nevertheless, by 1999, at 39 years of age, I was still living in a studio bachelor pad. I was working for a software company collecting credit card info over the phone from people that needed tech support for their software. I was making okay money, but I was very unhappy. People have a tendency to scream at you when they think your software is buggy, but you want to charge them for tech support. I was going through the breakup of yet another relationship. The good side, if any, was that I was now taking a good, hard look at myself, and I didn't really like what I saw. After many years of blaming parents, employers, girlfriends, circumstances, and society, it had become clear to me that the problem was me. At the same time, and more importantly, I started to develop compassion for the struggle of humanity to find peace, purpose, and meaning. After much agonizing, I decided to leave Tucson and the beautiful Sonoran Desert, a place I had grown to love, to move back to Los Angeles, something I had sworn never to do. I just felt like I had to shake things up. I moved back to Los Angeles in February of 2000. I started working for a best friend from high school, a decision that would end our friendship, at a nonprofit organization. In October, I met my wife-to-be. In 2003, I was still working for my friend and miserable once again in a job I hated. I was at my wit's end. I had a sense that I wanted to help people as a therapist, but getting licensed as a marriage and family therapist would take at least another eight years, which I could not do. Then fate intervened. Some co-workers and I were sent to attend a seminar on the topic of communication at a nearby hotel. The seminar leader was one of the best speakers I had ever heard. She also mentioned that she was a hypnotherapist. At a break during the seminar, I approached her to inquire about her training. She said she had attended Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Tarzana and encouraged me to check it out. I will be forever grateful to her for those encouraging words. I started training as a hypnotherapist in March of 2003. In October, I got married. I graduated from hypnotherapy school the following March 2004 and started my hypnotherapy practice. I had my first child in 2005 and my second in 2007. By April of 2009, when my wife and I purchased our first house, I had done all the things that I swore I would never do. I guess I really did shake things up, didn't I? In April 2009, in the middle of the process of purchasing my first home, I decided to start writing a blog. I wasn't even sure what a blog was or why I should write one, but the conventional wisdom of the time was that you should have one. I set up a WordPress site and started writing about my life experiences, what I've learned, and a little about hypnosis and hypnotherapy. I called these blog posts Ted's Tips for Transformation. I found that I enjoyed writing, and soon people were telling me that they were enjoying my blog posts, which made writing them even more fun. As of the writing of this in 2011, I've posted a blog post almost every week 
since my first one in April of 2009. I find the act of writing to be quite fulfilling, often excruciating, at times painful, and always challenging. The most satisfaction I get, however, is when I reach deep down inside to write honestly and authentically about what I've discovered to be real and true during my short time walking this planet, and my readers are moved to respond. This book consists of blog posts written between April 2009 and December 2010. I've edited the content from the original posts for clarity as well as to conform to the style of a book. Most of what is contained in this book was written in my home office in San Dimas, what my wife calls my man cave, usually on Saturday or Sunday mornings long before the rest of the world has risen for the day. In that space and in the process of sharing my thoughts with others, I've come to a greater appreciation of my life, all that I've been blessed with, and my place in this strange and wonderful journey called life. March of 2011. So that was the introduction to my book. I want to read you a chapter in the book called For Something, I'm sorry, For Everything Lost, Something is Gained. So here we go. I was checking out YouTube one evening, watching Joni Mitchell play A Case of You, a song of incredible sadness and vulnerability. It speaks of lost love and the pain of letting go. The raw honesty and the craftsmanship of the song's album called Blue made it a commercial and critical success and helped establish Mitchell as one of the most influential singer-songwriters of the late 20th century. I stayed up late into the night watching videos from 1965, Joni Anderson before she became Mitchell, on a Canadian hootenanny show. Let's Sing Out was the name of it. In black and white, she was fresh-faced, a young girl on the verge of realizing a dream. In another more recent video, a much older Mitchell in front of an orchestra singing both sides now, her trademark falsetto gone now, and in its place, the smoky and husky voice of age and experience. I wondered how it felt for her to sing this song about perspective 30 years after she penned it. Perhaps she felt more keenly the truth of her lyrics that something's lost, but something's gained. I continued wading into the video past of 70s singer-songwriters. Yes, I'm aging myself. That's kind of the point. I came across a live version of James Taylor and Mitchell singing a duet on Taylor's You Can Close Your Eyes. A few more clicks, and there's a video of one of James Taylor's early television appearances, young, almost adolescent, a full head of hair, wispy mustache, looking like somebody needs to give him a good meal. He sings... There's a song that they sing when they take to the highway, a song that they sing when they take to the sea. His journey took him through self-commitment to a mental institution and 18 years of heroin addiction. He talks about this in another video. He's balding, lines in his face in the sunset of his career. He says, I should have died four or five times. Next, I'm watching videos of Sting and Alison Cross playing at a James Taylor tribute. Would there have been a tribute if he had not experienced what he did? These are the songs I grew up with, and they made me think about my own journey. I closed my computer down close to 1 a.m. I went outside to my backyard, stood in the full moon's glow, and thought about my travels as a single guy. I remember playing my guitar alone in a cabin in Montana in the shadow of the Continental Divide. 
I recalled partying and dancing joyfully with fellow members of a theater group at the director's house in Bisbee, Arizona, accompanied by whatever we could find, egg shakers, bongo drums, clavis. In my mind's eye, I remembered looking down from the peak of Wasson Peak on solitary monsoon clouds drifting across the Tucson Basin like ships floating over a desert sea. Other memories came to me as well, not as pleasant. Sitting in a Civil War battlefield in Petersburg, Virginia, miserably unhappy, wondering why the hell I was so far from home. During that time, I came to understand why someone would want to kill themselves. I thought of standing on the mall at the University of Arizona, watching the same moon, cold and alone. I went inside my house and checked on my sleeping children and laid down in bed next to my sleeping wife. I missed my carefree life, playing music, hiking, traveling. It's true that something is lost there, but in time and age, so much more is gained. Maybe more valuable than what you lost if you can choose to give it to yourself. The song that you sing when you take to the highway is not the song that you sing when you take to your plow. On the highway, there's exploration. Out in the fields that you work, there's decision. There's an intention there to create, to plant a seed, to stick around and nurture it and see what you can harvest, even if you don't feel like doing it. Transformation can happen in an instant. I've seen it, but most of the time, it's a slow process, sometimes painful, almost always messy, as we struggle out of the skin of what we're comfortable with and into what we're becoming. To move forward, you must let go. It's not easy, and sometimes it's not pretty. But change will happen with or without you. But transformation, that is, change into who you want to be, that requires intention, focus, energy, and a willingness to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you're lucky, you can make it happen. If you're luckier, it may happen to you. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed the little bit of reading I did from my book. I know we went a little bit over. I'll leave you with a quote. Just because life is hard doesn't mean that you suck. I said that. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to tedmoreno.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Take good care of yourself. Bye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Ted In Your Head. If your bad habits and limiting fears and beliefs prevent you from achieving the success you want, it's time to take out the trash, talk some truth, and transform your mind. To learn more about how Ted can personally help you win at life and business, visit www.tedmoreno.com. That's www.tedmoreno.com. Thanks to Dimitri Rosti and Isaac Taylor for their help in producing this podcast. See you next time on the Ted in Your Head podcast.